People tell me all the time, George, I love Coast to Coast, but I just can't stay up to listen to the entire program. And we realize that. So that's why we offer the Coast Insider Service. You get fast and easy access to the previous night's program. Whether you want to download it on MP3 or stream it at the Coast to Coast website. Listen anywhere, on your phone, your tablet, right at home on your computer. And you can listen to the last five years' worth of shows at the Coast website. That's almost 2,000 programs covering every strange and unusual topic you can imagine. And it's all just 15 cents a day. So head on over to the Coast to Coast AM website and sign up now for the Coast Insiders membership and start your journey into the unknown. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Apollo 11, of course, uh, when we landed there in 1969, it wasn't as safe as we all thought it was, was it? No, and some of that's the reporting. I mean, as you remember, doubtless, there were three or four networks at the time and a handful of radio networks, and they had control over what went out, and NASA had a certain amount of control over them. So not everything was passed along. So Apollo 11 is in orbit over the moon a few days before the landing date of July 20th. And uh, so on that day, on landing day, Aldrin and Armstrong crawled through the tunnel to get to the lunar module. And things started to go a little wonky right away. It was a small thing, but when the spacecraft separated, apparently there was still a little bit of air pressure in that tunnel. And it was just enough to give the the lunar module a little bit of a push, so now it was going to fly past its target, because small changes up there make some larger changes down below. So they begin the landing sequence. Things are going pretty well. It's tense, of course, because we've never done this before. Apollo 10 did a close pass to the surface, but didn't land. It just went down to about eight miles and then boosted back. So this is an unknown, and we don't really know what's going to happen. So they get partway down. The computer starts to lock up and starts issuing errors, and it's threatening to reboot. And that's why you hear Aldrin taking over as he starts reading out all the numbers, mm-hmm. Neil Armstrong, verbally. But they finally do get down to surface, Armstrong skating across the surface. Everybody in Mission Control is holding their breath because the limb isn't going down anymore. It's just going sideways, and he's down to well less than a minute of fuel, some Depending on the account, 20 to 40 seconds worth of fuel. Finally sets it down. Everything's fine. They power down. The famous words as as he arrives and big sigh of relief from Mission Control. But then not too long after that, something weird happens that we didn't hear about, which is the guys on the consoles in Mission Control start seeing this pressure build up in the descent stage. Now, that rocket engine shut down. It's safe. It's no longer armed. But there's pressure building up at a fuel line. They don't know if it's going to explode. Oh, my God or blow a relief disc, or just melt and go away. So they're watching this. They called the guys over from the Grumman Corporation, which had built the lunar module, and the guys at Terra W that had built the descent engine. They're huddling and saying, what the heck should we do? And Gene Kranz, who's the, the flight director of control, is trying to figure out whether he should even tell the astronauts. But unless they're going to abort and take off suddenly, there's really nothing they can do. So as they're pulling their hair out over this one, suddenly the readings return to normal. And oh. here's they can figure there was a little ice plug on a fuel line that froze because of the coldness of the lunar surface, but there was enough residual heat in the structure of the lunar module descent stage that it melted that little ice plug and it went away. But Just in time. There. Just, I remember talking to Buzz Aldrin, Rod, and he had to use his Bic pen <laughs> in order to launch the LEM back up to the command module. 
yeah, as Armstrong was getting out, his backpack bumped a toggle switch and off it snapped and they stopped and looked at it and looked at each other and thought, well, we'll deal with that when we get back. And they couldn't fit their fingers into it because of their right. gloves, right? And so the engineers on the ground are trying to figure out a workaround. And so all huh. gets back in and goes, oh, I can fix this and click up it goes and everything worked out fine. They had another interesting problem. They had a valve they opened up to let the, the air out of the cabin so they could open the door and get out to do their EVA for two and a half hours. And they couldn't get all the air out and the hatch wouldn't open. So I was interviewing Buzz a couple of years ago and I said, what did you do? And he said, well, you know, the limb was pretty lightly built. So we just kind of peeled back the edge of the hatch. Oh, a little burst of ice. Just amazing. But it came. Yeah. And when you think of the technology back then, 1960s technology, here we are approaching 2020 in a couple of years. We, we should be back in like seconds. I don't understand it. Well, tell it to Congress. <laughs> I mean, we know we can do it. We've done it before. We've done it many times. And it should be easier to to do it now with the technology we've got. It should be. And when you see what's happening at Boeing with their new capsule, the Starliner, and you see if you get a chance ever to pop your head inside of Elon Musk's new Dragon 2 capsule... These things are beautiful works of art, very spacious, comparatively speaking, and they have just this glass console that comes down over the astronauts with a touch screen on it. Most of those toggle switches and those big heavy controls are gone, and everything's been streamlined, and it really is just a matter of money and willpower. We just haven't had that perfect storm, and when you think about it, we had post-World War II technology rush, we had the Cold War heating up. Kennedy had the Bay of Pigs to try and get out of his hair. Um, we were having this competition with this perfect enemy in the Soviet Union. And then to top it all off, Kennedy gets assassinated. And Apollo, although a lot of people, including famously Walter Mondale, wanted at one time or another to shut it down, it's a hot potato. You really can't touch it. we got a martyred president to remember here. So I think all these things combine to carry it through to the conclusion. But it was not a sure thing. A lot of people wanted that program stopped because it was expensive. Ironically, today is the 14th anniversary of the Space Shuttle Columbia's disaster, February 1st. Uh, yeah. 2003. Yeah, moment. Seven uh, astronauts on that, and eventually we stopped the program, and we still haven't done anything yet. Are we ever going to, Rod? Yeah, I mean, the shuttle was ex very expensive. It never reached its potential in terms of what we hoped it would do in flight rate and so forth. And it was kind of dangerous. There are a lot of single points of failure. So uh, they really retrenched. NASA, of course, is building a new capsule, the Orion, and a new large super booster rocket, the Space Launch System. And we'll see if that gets finished or not. That's up to the Trump administration to continue or curtail. It's expensive, too. But at the same time, you've got SpaceX and, and Boeing both building their capsules, and they've got contracts to the tune of billions of dollars from NASA to fly people up to the space station to fly supplies back and forth, as Musk is already doing. And of course, as you know, Elon Musk has got big plans for Mars, and Jeff Bezos of Amazon, who's successfully building and flying fairly large rockets now, has got plans for colonizing low Earth orbit and beyond. So uh, I think... It's the billionaires that are doing it. It's interesting because I'm working on a new book now about the new space age called Space 2.0. So I'm interviewing a lot of national space leaders, a lot of leaders in the U.S., former deputy administrator for NASA, lots of people from industry. And it's pretty well agreed, including by people overseas in Europe and Asia, that this, the United States is the only place this can happen. Our business climate, tax structure, 
just the way things work here, the way entrepreneurial systems work here, and the brain trust that we've got seems to be, this is another magic moment like the 1960s where some amazing things are happening in the private sector. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.